Welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Ashley. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing the Sweet Omegaverse and the stories written by Catherine Moon and Lana Cole. Be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. This show is not for children. Uh, We did want to include a trigger warning for this episode. There is some discussion of sexual abuse history in some of these books, so please be warned. All right, so what is the Sweet Omegaverse? Because that's what we're going to be talking about throughout this entire episode. And some of our listeners might have absolutely no idea (laughs) what that is in reference to. So the Sweet Omegaverse is a spinoff of the regular Omegaverse, and the regular Omegaverse has been around for a while. Ash, do you want to give us a background on the Omegaverse? Yes. So according to Wikipedia, a very reliable source for, very. Pod- for podcast research, um, it emerged in the late 1960s in a fan fiction based on Star Trek. And in November of 2010, a similar work was posted in a supernatural fan fiction community and the now commonly used terms of alphas, omegas, and betas were first used. So my first introduction to the Omegaverse was through the fan fiction community. It's actually a pretty common trope in a lot of different fan fiction communities. I, of course, read it in a Dramione fan fiction, but you'll see it, like it says in what uh, Ashley was just quoting from Wikipedia, you'll see it in Supernatural fan fictions. I've been told there's some BTS fan fictions that have Omegaverse. Um, ev- pretty much every big fan fiction community has had some Omegaverse uh, included. So it makes sense that romance writers would also start using this trope. And you'll see it a lot in supernatural stories, uh, werewolf-based stories use a lot of Omegaverse. Uh, And then also, uh, we will see Omegaverse being used in its own universe where people are thrown into these different biological forms. So when you are in the Omegaverse, you are pretty much categorized and born into one of three biological forms. You're either an Omega, an Alpha, or a Beta. Some other Omegaverse writing does include other forms like gammas, uh, but that's not present in the Sweet Omegaverse, and we're not going to be talking about that in this episode. And we should also maybe address the fact that in the books that we're talking about, um, we should point out that there is no shifting, there's no, you know, paranormal aspect to this. It's just, you know, like, an unusual human biology, so they're not shifters. It's an alternate universe with an alternate human biology that includes wolf-like traits, and Catherine Moon does specify that in the first baby book. Yeah, so these are basically just, like, every human except instead of being regular humans, they're built in with these different biological uh, forms. Which I think is so cool. I wish I wish so badly that this was a real thing. 
it it makes for a really interesting concept because it allows you to kind of play around with our normal reality like you don't have to do a lot of world building especially if your reader's already familiar with the Omegaverse, but it allows you as a writer to have a lot more leeway with how your characters interact with one another and gives you a lot more creative freedom of like, why is this character attracted to this person? And what what is their motivation for wanting to be in a relationship with them? And opens up a lot of other avenues that you might not typically find. Yeah, it's honestly perfect for, you know, setting up things for a reverse harem. Yeah, I find that in most of the Omegaverse that I've read outside of Catherine Moon and the Sweet Omegaverse has not been a reverse harem. So when I was introduced to the fact that a lot of romance writers who use the Omegaverse write it in reverse harem, I'm like, that makes sense. (laughs) That absolutely makes sense to me, this idea of... um, the omega biology requiring them to have multiple alphas and then some betas as well that absolutely provides like a natural character motivation for a reverse harem so in this alternate universe uh betas are the most common designation uh you do not have anything biologically different when you're a beta but uh they can pick up smells especially in the sweet omega verse it does differ from story to story but in this particular universe that we're talking about betas can smell differences in alphas and omegas but they are not biologically required to mate with alphas or omegas then we have alphas oh, as the name <laughs> what did you say ash my fave <laughs> <laughs> As the name suggests, alphas are very dominant. Uh, You would typically find them in careers that involve them being in charge, running corporations, uh, being in charge of other people. And in the Sweet Omegaverse in particular, alphas travel in packs. Um, However, this is not always common in other Omegaverse writing. You'll find that to be the case in other Omegaverse that takes place with like supernatural creatures, but it's not a consistent trope throughout. Um, In addition, alphas mark either betas or omegas with bites in order to create a bond with them. And alphas also have a knot. (laughs) Ashley, your thoughts on knotting. (laughs) So I love the concept of knotting. The first book that I actually read that involved nodding was um, the Emerald Lake series. And it, it, it's done a little bit differently because that's, you know, it's not an Omegaverse. Um, but just the whole concept of like, you know, that they have this like enlarged area on their penis and that, you know, Omegas are, like, physiologically designed to, like, accept that knot and, like, be attached to each other. Like, I I don't know why it's so hot, but it is. Honestly, the thought of it kind of makes my vagina hurt a little bit. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I don't know. I'm someone who, like, I like a little sting of, like, the extra stretch. (laughs) I'm really letting my freak Freak, freak flag fly this evening, I guess. <laughs> this is what happens when we record late. We get Ashley's wild side. Well, this is normally like when I would be reading. This is my like my alone time. <laughs> 
So alphas are biologically made to be with omegas. And omegas are the rarest designation, and they are incredibly desirable to packs because they are seen as being a balancing, uh, a balancing addition to the pack in a way that they're able to take a lot of the big personalities that come with alphas and kind of neutralize situations that could lead to additional conflict. So most alpha packs want an omega in order to complete the pack for them. Um, omegas are physiologically designed to take a knot, like Ashley was already saying. And omegas are attracted to alphas based on the sense that they give off. So a desirable alpha scent would let an omega know that they would match physiologically. And that is typically the first step that omegas go through in order to find their pack is to find a scent that draws them in. Omegas go through a heat. <laughs> and this term was always interesting to me because it just reminds me of animals going through heat. Well, how do you um, think I feel about nodding? Like, that <laughs> when husband was like, so you're reading dog porn? I was like, that does nothing to do with dogs. Yeah, some of it is very animalistic. Uh, but they do go into heat. The frequency of the heat depends on the series. Some In the Sweet Omegaverse, I think it's like every three to four months, I think. But I've also read series and fan fictions where it's like a monthly thing, like a okay, period Okay, that just be. sounds exhausting, though. Like, given at least how the sweet verse it is, like, going through that monthly would be exhausting. Yeah, that you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to do anything else. That would be your entire life. <laughs> uh, but when we're talking about heats, they need an alpha or multiple alphas to mate them in order to uh, reduce the heat and make it bearable for them. And we should also add that during a heat, it's important that the omega has an established nest. Um, and that's basically just like a really like cozy room with plenty of blankets, low light, um, just to like make her or him, <laughs> her or him, feel very comfortable. Yes. And what we find with the first book we're going to talk about with Baby is that she can't really go into her heat until she feels like she has a comfortable enough nest. So it really seems to be a prerequisite for the Omega that they need to feel comfortable enough and like in control enough of their environment to go into heat because heat is a very vulnerable state for them, which makes sense. And I wanted to say that at least in the sweet verse, omegas are my least favorite of all the, of all the designations. Um, and I think that so much of it has to do with, you know, what their personalities are like. They're just um, a little more needy than, you know, betas or alphas. I mean, alphas obviously are not like the needy type, but so yeah, omegas just not my favorite, but it's definitely necessary for having the sweet verse. I mean, for having Omega verse. So most people in the Omega verse assume that they are betas until they present. And presentation ages differ based on the series. But most series put presentation around the age of puberty or around the age when teenagers are seen as becoming adults. Um, and obviously the presentation age can differ from character to character. But that presentation 
allows them to see exactly if they are actually a beta or if they are an alpha or an omega. And what I loved um, in Baby and the Late Night Howlers is Catherine Moon did make up some statistics about, you know, the age of perfuming and presentation. So I thought that that was a really nice touch to, like, go that far with it. Yeah, she really does a lot of world building in Baby and the Late Night Howlers to really allow you to see just exactly how rare omegas are in general and then in addition how rare baby is as a late presenting omega uh but before we jump into baby let's talk about how the sweet omegaverse which is this universe that Catherine moon has created differs from just a typical omegaverse series so what you'll find with a lot of omegaverse writing is that it can have a very dark side that involves a uh, possibility of non-con or dub-con themes and other darker themes that would not ever be present in the Sweet Omegaverse between any of the female main characters and their harems. So what Catherine Moon has done is she's really created a safe space where you don't have to worry about um, any sort of dubious consent in these situations because she has worked hard to make sure that the relationships between the Omegas, the Alphas, and the Betas feels incredibly consensual the entire time. In addition, uh, every story, like Ashley already said, in the Sweet Omegaverse is a reverse harem. Uh, that's not always the case with other Omegaverse writing, but as Ashley said previously, it makes a lot of sense in terms of looking at the biology of Omegas for them to have a harem surrounding them. Yeah, it works out so incredibly well. And, I mean, just like you know, as needy as the Omegas are in the sweet verse, it's great that they have multiple, multiple yeah, exactly. people to please them. They really need it. <laughs> the sweet Omegaverse was created by Catherine Moon, uh, but as Ashley stated in the beginning, she definitely was not the first person to write an Omegaverse story. Um, and the sweet Omegaverse also has something called the Omega Center, which is is something that comes up in every single one of the books. And the Omega Center is really just a place that was designed to help Omegas and protect them. Because Omegas are really seen as the most vulnerable um, out of all of the different presentations. And they do need to be protected if they are not part of a pack. So the Omega Center helps Omegas to find their packs. It helps to protect them. It provides security. Uh, all sorts of things. And I thought that was a nice addition to a world where Omegas can kind of be seen as a constant victim otherwise. Yeah, I thought that that was a great touch as well. And um, when, you know, we're going to kind of give a little bit of a summary when about what happens with, with Baby and when she, you know, starts perfuming um, and presents as an Omega. But, I mean, just the... The danger that, you know, an unclaimed Omega can be in, it's, you know, it's pretty scary. So I'm glad that they have a place like the Omega Center that exists that they can go to that's going to make sure that they find a pack and that they're not in any, you know, they're not put in harm's way, basically. Yeah. Uh, another difference uh, that I haven't seen that's a constant in other Omegaverse writing is that in the Sweet Omegaverse, any gender can be any designation. Now, in the other writings that I've uh, read, it's very common for betas to be both male and female. Um, 
there's not a whole lot of non-binary representation in Omegaverse stories, unfortunately. Um, but with other Omegaverse writing, there, it's very common for Omegas to be female and for Alphas to be male. But in Catherine Moon's stories, she has made it very clear that any gender can fall under any designation. Yep, and I believe that she also has a book in the works about a female alpha that you do get introduced to in one of her books, but we just have to wait and see what happens with that. I would love to read that. (laughs) Would definitely be uh, very interesting, I feel, and if you've read the books, you know what we're referring to. (laughs) So the first book in the Sweet Omegaverse is Baby and the Late Night Howlers, and this was written by Catherine Moon. Baby is our female main character. Uh, Baby always believed that she was... Oh, that was supposed to say beta. A beta. (laughs) I got what she meant. (laughs) Baby always believed that she was a beta until one night she was out with her best friend Lola at a biker bar and suddenly began to present as an Omega. Uh, She immediately realized that she was potentially in a dangerous situation as many Omegas may be attacked by Alphas if they are not actively protected. Instead of her being approached by an alpha and possibly being put into a dangerous position, she is approached by an incredibly kind beta who helps her to escape and gets her to the Omega Center. Baby finds out that because of her late presentation, it's very uh, likely that she's about to go into heat very quickly. So she has to find a pack pretty quickly in order to help her through her first heat. And she's immediately torn between the sweet but financially struggling biker club and the other alpha pack options that she has that would definitely be able to financially support her, but she doesn't connect with them as emotionally as she did with the biker club. Baby ends up choosing her biker club and starts to build her pack, but she does run into some trouble from other alphas along the way. And I, you know, I don't want to give too much away because our, obviously, our main, you know, thing about doing the podcast is to encourage you guys to read these books if you haven't read them and not give a ton of spoilers. But I loved the concept of Baby being at the Omega Center and sitting down with a book where she would smell the pages to see, like, if she connected with a pack. Like, I I just thought that was so cool. And, like, could you imagine that being a thing and instead of, like, a dating app, you would just sit down with, like, a book that smelled like people and you'd be like, (laughs) oh, yeah, I'm, like, attracted to this person, like, based off of that. I feel like in general, Ash, you're a very, like, scent-based person. I know, and I think that that's why I love the whole concept of the Omegaverse, because I swear to you, so many of my notes from this series are, like, what characters smelled like. (laughs) And I do have a really strong nose, and, like, my house smelling good and myself smelling good is very important to me. And I don't know whether that's because I have a lot of animals, too, that I, like, want my house to, like, not smell like animals, but... Uh, I just think back to Havoc and Aaron and his sandalwood and Rose. (laughs) Uh, Well, we don't actually have to have that discussion over whether people actually have sense, because in this universe, they definitely do. They definitely do. do. (laughs) But yeah, I just, uh, that's just so cool to me. And 
definitely, I think, one of the main reasons why I love at least the, this Omegaverse. Uh, so the Howlers is, is what we're going to be referring to the biker club as. Um, they're a really large alpha pack in general. And because of the size of them and just because of uh, her mating instincts i suppose (laughs) baby doesn't connect with all of them romantically but she does connect with them all in a way of like they're all family and they're all protecting and helping one another uh but at the end of the day she ends up bonding with six of the men from the pack um ash do you want to give us a quick rundown of baby's pack Yes, there is Scorch slash Jonah. He is the head of the motorcycle club, and I believe that he is described as having an apple pie scent. Um, And then you have Bomber slash Seth, and he is the beta who rescued her from the bar and helped her get to the Omega Center. He has a relationship with Jonah, so a relationship with head of the motorcycle club. He's the vice president. Um, and he has a clean lemon scent. Um, and I'm going to tell you right now, I can't remember the exact scents for all these guys, but these are the ones that I can remember. And I think that that's because those would be the scents that I was attracted to. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Book slash Mackenzie. He is a surprise dominant guy. Um, <laughs> no, He knows how to use Google. I had to put that in there because they're like, they call him books and she's like, is that because he researches a lot? Like, is it because he's really smart? And it's like, no, it's just, he knows how to Google shit cool. when no one else feels like doing it. And they're all like blown away by the fact that he can figure stuff out. Like, okay, he has a search engine. That's good. I mean, <laughs> they live a, a simpler life, like... Yes, like, we have this motorcycle club and different clubs and, you know, do all this shit, but Books is the only one that knows how to use Google. Apparently. Wise Books. (laughs) Um, Bullet slash Quincy, he's the enforcer, tough guy on the outside, marshmallow on the inside. Uh, Green slash Ryan, he loves his plants. He grows the weed for their dispensary, which I loved that that was a thing. Um, So so he's a plant-loving, dominant forest man, according to to Sam's notes. (laughs) And I should probably say loves plant-loving, dominant forest. You know what? We don't need to. We don't need to focus on the grammatical errors of my how, notes. How many drinks did you have this afternoon, Sam? We don't need to talk about that either, Ashley. <laughs> um, but yeah, I believe she does say that his scent is like a forest after it rains, isn't? Isn't it? Yeah, he was yeah. my favorite. I I liked Ryan the most. Okay, maybe get to that. Maybe wait until we get to that part, Sam, Sorry, where we say who our, who our favorite is. <laughs> You're jumping ahead in our order. Um, My bad. And, and then we have Sanjay slash Tornado. He deals with nightmares and PS- PTSD that leads to him being hesitant to bond with baby. Um, and I did want to add that I loved his relationship, you know, with not really, I guess, I guess, yes, relationship with books um, mm-hmm. that, you know, books kind of helps him work through a lot of those feelings with baby and, um, I think that books also helps baby to understand some of the things that, you know, are going on with tornado. So I loved that. I mean, there, all that I wouldn't Google say power. 
Oh, yeah, all that Google power. Something <laughs> like Google power and PTSD. Making for some hot sex scenes. Um, but yes, that is the harem in a nutshell. Uh, in addition to her six men, she also almost connects with a seventh guy, Cole, uh, whose name is Cole both times. Both his biker name and his real name is just spelled differently. Uh, but he's being a weird, pervy asshole throughout the entire book, and then she realizes pretty quickly that that's not someone that she wants to be with. And then eventually he ends up being one of the villains later on in the book, so it makes sense that she didn't connect with him emotionally. Yes, and that's, you know, you can tell it was set up to be that way. He just, like, he made you super uncomfortable. Like, uh, me as the reader, I was uncomfortable for Baby. He, he made you uncomfortable with how he was approaching Baby, and then, in addition, he was always he was also sleeping with someone else. And she wasn't going to make that an issue, because Baby was actually really cool with, like, everything going on at the motorcycle club, like, as it was going. Like, she didn't want to come in and, like, overturn everyone's lives. But at the same time, like, if this is someone you're actually interested in pursuing, you probably shouldn't also be hooking up with someone else at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Just, mm, Cole. This is what yeah. happens when you're, like, part of a rival motorcycle gang, and then you, like, leave that gang, and then, like... Wasn't it his brother who was the head of the other rival motorcycle club? Yeah, it was. So it's like, that should have been a giant fucking red flag from the beginning. But, you know. (laughs) You know. Sometimes the obvious villain is the villain. (laughs) Oh, oh, Catherine Moon. That's Catherine Moon's Instagram tag, if you guys weren't aware. Love it. Just Uh, so overall are all blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not drunk right I think now. that we should always record this late this is fun time <laughs> I mean I'm down for it uh overall thoughts on the book um in general I felt like it was a lot of names and people especially since you were using like interchangeably the characters motorcycle club names and their like regular names were being used interchangeably and there were so many people like we just talked about the people who baby connected with there was like six other people on top of that who were also a part of the pack and a part of the motorcycle club that she doesn't romantically connect with and yeah, was, we we didn't even name any of the sweet butts exactly we didn't talk about any of the betas that were living there we didn't talk about any of the other alphas that uh she didn't connect with it was just so many people and And it was very difficult for me in one book it was very difficult for me to keep all of them straight i i kept having to refer back to like there's a glossary in the back which i very much appreciated thank you Catherine moon and i kept having to like flip back to the character glossary and be like okay who is this what what is their role who are they so i can keep everyone straight right i'm like uh, i'm just getting confused like if you're not like the weed grower or like i don't know it just it was a lot forest plant loving man yeah. <laughs> loves plant loving <laughs> oh my oh, god shit <laughs> see 
I'm glad that you guys have come to expect this level of professionalism from us. I loved that Baby looked out for the betas that were living at the motorcycle club before she got there. Because when she got there, in an effort to not make her feel uncomfortable, the guys were ready to kick all the betas out and be like, peace, bitches, go find somewhere else to live. And Baby was like... That was, like, specifically Torch that was like, all right, y'all bitches need to go. (laughs) It was. And everyone else was like, this isn't cool. Like, they don't have anywhere else to go. And Baby was like, why are you doing this? I never asked you to do this. I don't want to make these women homeless. And he's just like, uh, uh, I thought this is what you wanted. (laughs) Like, I just, I feel like, not to stereotype, but very stereotypical of an alpha male to make decisions for a woman (laughs) so baby stands up for the betas and is like why would i want you to kick these women out of their homes like that's very uncalled for so she's like they need to stay stop moving them around they can continue to have like relationships with the pack as long as it's not someone that like is actively seeing me so all of the other alphas get to continue to spend time with and connect with their betas and it just like makes the pack stronger which is really her job as an omega so it makes sense yeah and i loved that we love you know women empowering other women and i think it's great that baby didn't come in and just you know be like a total diva and be like y'all need to go I wouldn't have liked Baby if she did that. I would have been like, what the fuck is your problem? I mean, like, I'm honestly not, like, a huge fan of Baby, but I'm glad that this was a good introduction to the Omegaverse, and I'm glad that we get to meet Lola. Perfect transition. Uh, (laughs) Yes, it was, wasn't it? It was. Uh, This story really gives us the backstory to prepare us for Lola's books that come right after this. Because Baby and Lola are best friends, and we learn a little bit about Lola's past and her trauma because she's actively living through it while we're going through Baby's story. So instead of having to rehash all of that in the beginning of Lola, we just live through it in Baby, and we're able to connect with Lola on a deeper level in the next story. Do you want to say who your favorite uh, so is So favorite now? member of the harem, <laughs> as I've already stated, because I got ahead of myself. <laughs> You just I, really, like, jumped right in there. You I didn't like, really wanted to say it. I love Green slash Ryan the most. He's, uh, he just has this, like, calming nature. He's really, but he's also, like, very much that alpha where Jonah was, like, holding back. He didn't want anyone to bond with Baby yet. Uh, Ryan was like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> Like, you don't get to tell me how my relationship with Baby looks. And if Baby says she's ready to bond with me, then that's what we're going to do. And he ends up being the first one to bond with Baby because of that. And she appreciates that so much because she was getting really frustrated with Jonah and how much he was trying to control all of the other alphas in the pack. And my favorite was Bullet slash Quincy. I just love a big marshmallow strong guy like I I love the you know the characters who you look at them and they're all muscly but they're like a giant teddy bear and I loved that and wasn't he the second one to mark baby um he might have been 
I'm trying to remember because I remember it was after they went to his house. Um. Yeah, I think mm. you're right. Yeah. So and I just loved that and that scene like with them in like his like office or whatever like oh. Yeah, Bullet was really cute. I also like how he taught Baby how to shoot, and that ended up, like, really saving her life later on. Um, And, like, you get a little bit of his backstory when they're visiting his family's home. He's a really cute character. I liked him a lot. Me too. Very cute. All right, so Baby and her guys get a happy ending uh, to their story, and then we roll into... Lola stories and Lola is the only character that gets two books so far in the universe we don't know what is to come uh, but both of Lola's books were also written by Catherine Moon uh, Ash do you want to give us the summary of Lola's stories yes so Lola is dealing with a traumatic a traumatic event from her past by avoiding alphas at all costs she runs into a bonded beta at a bar one night that sets off a series of events that leads to her slowly reintroducing herself to having alphas around. This story deals with themes of past sexual trauma and abuse. Lola is overcoming her trauma and becoming a stronger and more independent person throughout the story. So I know that Ash loved Lola so much. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you love her character so much? Yes. Um, it's just... Something about Lola, like, she's a little more, I guess, like, scrappy <laughs> than Baby is. Um, and I love that how, like, how her and Leo met each other at, like, the beta bar that night. And mm-hmm. it just, like, I love that she, you know, like, is career-driven. And I don't know, it just... She's just, like, a cool character and somebody that I could see myself, like, being friends with. I agree. I liked her independence a lot. Same. And that's, you know, and I I I can talk about this now, right? Yeah, because we're we're done the summary. But I just think that, like, you know, Lola really struggled so much because of her past trauma and abuse about being part of a pack and you know, the alphas, like, choosing her and feeling worthy, but, I mean, honestly, Lola, and I know that she felt that way because of her trauma, but she's, I can't think of anyone else who would be more worthy of that group of guys. Just and like that's the how they that, feel about her, too. Yeah. Oh, and they are, like, they're such a great group of guys. I mean, one of them's okay, but <laughs> the rest of them are great. Um... But she just kind of, like, it's awesome to see her transition throughout the story and see her grow as a character and overcome her past trauma. So uh, Lola's harem and her pack are kind of one and the same. She does end up forming relationships with every guy in the pack. But she starts with Leo, who is a beta who she meets at a bar uh, Leo is bonded with Caleb and also has a relationship with the Omega in their pack, Rake. Um, and Leo and Lola start the relationship first before she starts bonding with any other member of the pack. And Leo is the one who really brings her in and makes her feel like she can be feel comfortable being a part of their pack. Yeah, Leo is really into... <laughs> the idea of Lola being, like, a legit pack member pretty early on. And then next up we have Rake, who is the Omega for their pack. 
Uh, Rake is bonded with Caleb and Cyrus, and he also has a relationship with Leo. He is very high energy and an over-the-top Omega, and he is also a male model, and he meets Lola when she is doing his makeup for a photo shoot and for uh, some runway uh, roles that he has, and they end up in a relationship shortly after that that they also share with Leo. So it kind of turns into a menage very quickly. It does, and... I hate to say it, but Rake is one of my least favorite characters. He's, like, too whiny, too, in my opinion, stereotypical, and it's just, ah, he's just okay. But all the rest of the guys in this are great. Uh, then, I kind of listed them in order of when she starts relationships with each of them. So, her next relationship is with Matthew, who is an alpha. He's the first alpha that she has a relationship with uh, in the pack. And he is also, like, the head of the company that she's working for, so that made her feel a little bit awkward. (laughs) Um, He is daddy, 100%, yes. (laughs) And he is, like, that older, the age gap relationship. Silver fox. And... He and Lola kind of connect over um, the fact that he's kind of feeling estranged from the pack because of, like, his past relationships and the fact that he's not bonded with Rake. And Lola really helps to bring him into the pack when he was feeling kind of estranged from that, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah, I agree. Um, Matthew also played in a punk band. He just is so amazing. (laughs) He's so amazing. Uh, Then we get Wes, who is, uh, he runs his own security company. He's another alpha. Uh, He is just an all-around really sweet, protective male. And then we also find out that he helped to uh, rescue Lola when she was at one of her lowest points previously. And he is just so... Like, he keeps that secret for her. He won't tell anyone else in the pack about what happened until she's ready. And he's just, like, that guy who you know that you can trust and rely on uh, because he's always going to be there for you. And I love that energy about him. I do, too. And I love that he was pretty much obsessed with Lola from that first moment. Like He was. (laughs) And it was so cute. I love Wes. To be, you know, to... To feel that way about someone and then, you know, not really, like, be able to open up to them about it until they're at a point where they're comfortable. Like, just, oh, just so sweet. But he never pushes her. Like, she never feels pressured from any of them, and I love that so much. I know. And uh, I'll wait until we get to the overall thoughts. (laughs) Just keep my stuff to myself. (laughs) Then we have Caleb who is another alpha. Caleb is bonded with Rake and with Leo. Um, Caleb is kind of seen as like the really sweet, comforting character. His scent is described as being like a warm blanket, and he spends a lot of time like helping Lola calm down when she's having like a panic attack, and he's very much like a comfort character for everyone in the entire series. Yeah, he's like Xanax, I believe that they say. Yes, his scent is described as being Xanax. Which, very silly, I love it. 
And then the last alpha in the pack and the last one that Lola uh, develops a relationship with is Cyrus. Uh, Cyrus is Lola's immediate boss uh, at the company where they're all working for. He is a dom. Uh, and he also gets the least amount of time with Lola, unfortunately. There are times when their relationship seems really rushed because it's just kind of like crammed in there at the end. And we don't get a whole lot of them being together, uh, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, and I am sad that this series was only two books because I really could have used more time between the two of them. <laughs> uh, Lola develops a relationship with each man on the pack over time, and Catherine really takes her time allowing Lola to heal before starting any relationships with the alphas. Like, nothing feels rushed. Uh, when it comes to her developing the relationships in the first place, which I really appreciate because that really felt like genuine and authentic when you're talking about the trauma that she's trying to deal with. Yeah, and they just were so understanding about everything and wanted to let her take things at her own pace, which we love guys that are like that, considerate of a woman's feelings. Yeah, they're seriously the best. Um overall thoughts on these two books i absolutely love lola's journey that she goes through throughout the books like her journey to feeling independent feeling strong feeling worthy of love is so relatable and so well written lola's just such a great character yeah and then to see her blossoming at the end it was wonderful and you know it was nice that she had that redemption after going through something so traumatic uh, definitely some of Lola's relationships with the Alphas felt rushed towards the end, especially Cyrus and Caleb. I came away feeling like I I wanted them to have more time together before the end of the series. Well, yeah, because I kind of felt like, you know, as rushed as it was, why not just make her have relationships with everyone else, and then those two are just kind of, like, doing their own thing. But, you know, or write a third book. Everybody yeah, it, probably would have been super thrilled about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Wes is my favorite in out of the entire pack. I just love his like protective calm energy. Oh, really? You love a nice like protective calm guy, Sam? I do. I really do. Um, and my favorite is Matthew. Uh, I have a thing for older men. Um, anybody who knows me is probably pretty aware of that. Um, I love that, you know, he was in a punk band and, like, he's, like, into music and, like, playing his guitar. And he's just so cute. Um, but Cyrus is my second favorite because I love Adam um, and I really wish that we would have gotten more time. I'm sure that he would have probably beaten out Matthew as my favorite if we would have gotten more time with Cyrus. <laughs> but... Matthew still is daddy. Oh, yes, he is. <laughs> and I think collectively we can agree that Lola is our favorite female main character out of the entire Sweet Omegaverse. We just love Lola so much. So much. She is amazing. Um, and there are, you know, some of the sweet butts that I like <laughs> from Baby, but yeah, Lola is just, she's an, a great character. Do you want to clarify what the sweet butts are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the sweet butts are the betas in um, the pack 
in in pack howler. So they're the the women that are not omegas. <laughs> that baby is like, yes, do not kick them out. This is their home. Yeah, so we do get a scene of Lola visiting baby in the howlers, which is really cute. We get to see it's kind of it kind of acts as almost like an epilogue of how baby's doing with her pack and it's really sweet. I loved it. I loved it too. And like that was one of my favorite scenes is like Lola getting tips on taking the knot from the beta girls of baby's pack. I think it was really sweet to include that. Just, you know, that aspect of like female friendship and helping other women like with something that you've also dealt with. Yeah, I as you would know if you've listened to any other episode of our podcast, but Ashley and I are strong proponents of a strong female friendship. So any opportunity we get to see that in a series, we're 100% down for. Yes, and especially when it, you know, is about nodding. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when we record late. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Currently, uh, the fourth book in the Sweet Omegaverse is written by Lana Cole. The title is Lyric in the Heartbeats. And I'm just going to put a disclaimer. (laughs) I have not read this book. I have. So I will be covering a lot of the discussion for this one. Uh, Lyric is an Omega that doesn't want to be an Omega. Uh, Lyric was raised by a beta mother who always wanted to be an Omega and taught her all about what a good Omega should do. Uh, When Lyric presented as an Omega, she wanted to do exactly the opposite of everything that her mother ever said to her. So instead of joining a pack, instead of going to the Omega Center and going through the Book of Sense, she began her own career in music industry and pushed back on joining a pack. Uh, She ends up having to find a band for her upcoming tour, and slowly begins to realize that the band that she's created is the pack that she's wanted all along. Although she never really wanted to admit to herself that she wanted the pack in the first place. I think that you can't fight your biology lyric. Yeah, she, it takes her a while to learn that in the story. So, uh, thoughts on the harem. We have Noan. I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. (laughs) Okay, Uh, good, because I was like, no, Han. (laughs) Uh, he's the beta and lead guitarist. He's a super sweet guy. He has bi tendencies. He's like exploring that part of himself. Um, we also have Emerson. He's an alpha. He's the bassist and he's a complete asshole to lyric at first and then feels really bad about it after. Um, and then Emerson and Audra live together. Um, and they also fuck one another. (laughs) Yes! So there's like some alpha and alpha action in this book. And then there's also no one gets involved with that, too. But Adra is an alpha. He goes by Odd. Um, he's got a really sad backstory because he was rejected by an Omega and kicked out of his previous pack because like he didn't mesh well with the Omega that chose the pack. But he's like just an absolute sweetheart in all things. Uh, but him and Emerson joined the band together. They were roommates. Uh, that, that also <laughs> fucked. Oh. oh my god, they were roommates. Uh, yes, they were roommates that fucked. And then um, they joined the band. Odd is the piano player, keyboardist for the uh, band. Um, 
the piano drummer <laughs> I didn't mention here because the drummer is a woman who is a beta who has her own like relationship outside of the pack. She's considered to be part of the pack just because she's like brought in with Lyric as her Omega and it's like everyone's family kind of thing. But she's not romantically involved with Lyric at all. And there is Henry, alpha tour manager, daddy boss man. <laughs> so I love Henry. Um, he's like taking care of everyone, making sure Lyric's always drinking water, making sure she's eating, like just the absolute loveliest man. And then there's uh, Javier. Uh, he's also an alpha, an alpha. He was a cook at like Lyric's favorite taco stand and they hired <laughs> him on to be like a cook during the tour. And he has a longtime crush on Lyric from when she would like visit his family's taco stand. Uh, and their relationship very much felt like an afterthought. Like, he comes in, like, two-thirds of the way into the book, and then it's like, oh, she also wants him to join their pack. And I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it, okay was, uh... it did not feel natural. She barely has any time with Javier in the story, and he just kind of felt like, like a tag-along. Like, why did this man need to be included? I wasn't quite sure. Uh, okay, great. <laughs> He makes good tacos. <laughs> that's really, that's what he was bringing to the table. Oh my gosh. Uh, overall thoughts on the book. There were the pacing was interesting. There were some points that really dragged, and then there are some parts that felt like they sped by. Um, I really liked the natural progression of Lyric's relationships with Emerson, Audra, and Noen. Um, Henry was my absolute fave. He's so cute. He was like. I don't want to cross the line with Lyric because I'm like her tour manager and every and like Emerson was like, get over it, dude. She wants you. And then Javier, like I said, felt like an afterthought, which was disappointing because he was a sweetheart and there was potential there. Like I wish either they had given more time to explore that more or he wasn't really included at all. Like I don't like it like being half one foot in one foot out. Either fully commit or don't include him in the pack. Right? Yeah, that would have annoyed uh, me. Yeah. The ending seemed really abrupt. Like, it was like, oh, the tour's over. Oh, they decided to live together. They're a pack now. Okay. Um, and there was also this, like, added conflict of kidnapping Omegas that felt really anticlimactic because it was like, Lyric almost gets taken and then she escapes, and then nothing else happens with that. <laughs> and you're Aww. just like, all right. We, we never hear about it ever again. Cool story. And then, like, there's this whole thing about how she was, like, her mom would always tell her that she didn't need to go in the music industry because she would get a big, strong alpha to write songs for her. And in my mind, I'm like, why are you naming your child Lyric if you don't want them to go into music? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's a terrible name to give your child if you wouldn't be happy if they became, like, a star. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we'll just have her play in the local church band. It'll be fine. <laughs> so, like, overall thoughts, I thought it was a cute story. Um, I, Lana Cole's writing story, like, writing style is fine. I do wish that it was a pretty long book. I think it was like over 500 pages. And that's why I but didn't I read it because I texted you. Used... What? I texted you and was like, this is like 600 pages. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long book, but it uh, there were parts that still felt really rushed. And I'm like, you had the time. 
to flesh this out. Like this was a long enough book that you could have like edited certain parts down and given more time to building up character development in certain areas. So in general, I feel like it could have used some better editing in my very unprofessional opinion. <laughs> All of our writing All experience. Right. Final overall thoughts on the Sweet Omegaverse. Ashley, go. All right. So I have never read anything else like normal Omegaverse, um, but I love the Sweet Omegaverse. I love the happily ever afters that the characters get. I love the supportive and caring harem members. Um, Catherine Moon writes some of the best books I have ever read, and the way that she writes like, male-on-male interactions, like, I just started reading The Librarian's Coven, guys, and there are some male-male scenes in that book where I'm just like, what? (laughs) Um, but it's amazing. Um, so I want to read more books in this, you know, sweet verse, um, and I'd like, you know, for most of them to be written by Catherine Moon, so if this alpha book that she's writing is like truly a thing um I'll be really excited about it um and yeah I'd like to read more Omegaverse more Omegaverse and more Sweetverse I've been really into pretty dark books lately so like if you have some good darker Omegaverse uh reverse harems I would love that so hit me up on our Instagram shoot us an email uh, we do love Catherine Moon here. We are big Catherine Moon fans. Um, I just feel like Catherine Moon is such a reliable writer when it comes to harems who love their female main characters. Like, I'm never going to go into a Catherine Moon book and be like, oh, this female main character is going to be treated so badly. Like, that's not something I have to worry about. And it's nice to go into a series knowing that you're just in for, like, a nice, fluffy, sweet read. Yeah, she, I mean, it's just like Willow, where you know it's going to be a a quality, adorable story. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So I would love some more uh, Omegaverse. I'm very excited for anything that Catherine Moon wants to throw our way. I would love a story from an alpha's perspective. A female alpha would be even better. (laughs) Um, I just want to see more from the universe in general. I think you can do so much with this trope. And I think that Catherine Moon in particular is in such a good place to take it in a direction where I will feel really good reading it, which I always appreciate. And Catherine, if you're listening to this, we would love to have you on our show. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Please come on and talk with us. Uh, Okay. Any other thoughts before we share what you're reading this week? Um, I don't think so. I just wanted to add that these are also very good um, comfort reads, just like we said about mm-hmm. Lola's series. Um, and if you've never read any of Catherine's other work, like I said, I just read the first book in the Librarian's Coven series, and um, Sam and I... Um, both read A Lady of Brooksgrave Manor, which is awesome. Like, if you're into tentacles, there's <laughs> there's a scene that you would be interested in. Um, and it, it's all equally just as sweet and good. So 
kudos to you, Catherine Moon, for writing some of the best harems and such wonderful smut and male-on-male action. She really is such, like, not every author can do smut well. We know this. We've read some pretty bad smut. Catherine Moon writes really good smut. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good from series to series. So good. (laughs) Like, I don't even feel bad that I had to pay for the librarian's coven because it's not on Kindle Unlimited, but it's worth buying it. (laughs) Absolutely. Support Catherine Moon. She deserves it. Did you have anything you wanted to add, Sam? No, I think that covers it. So what did we read this week? What are we planning to read? So we did take a week off last week. So the past two weeks, I have read Malice by Coralie June, which I read because uh, Ashley and Sarah talked me into reading it. (laughs) It was very dark. Um, I also read uh, Void and Gleam, which was the third book in the Plated Prisoner series, both by Raven Kennedy. I cannot say enough how much I love Raven Kennedy and in particular how much I love the Plated Prisoner series. The third book gave me such a goddamn book hangover. I cannot even imagine waiting as long as I'm going to have to wait for the fourth book to come out. I am addicted to the series, and Raven Kennedy is so talented. Uh, Ash and I also read Her Soul to Take by Harley LaRue. Uh, demon boyfriends are everything. I need, I need to get myself a demon boyfriend. Give me that um, forked tongue daddy. <laughs> Uh, I also read Mercer, which is the fourth and final book in the Satan Sinners series by Ruby Vincent. It was a great ending to the series, and I saw that she's coming out next with a series about their children and the exploits of their children, and I'm so excited about it. Um, Then I also read the third Ice Planet Barbarians book, uh, which ties into what we're planning on talking about next week. And I also read Lords of Wrath which is the second book in the Royals of Forsyth University series. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. We're <laughs> definitely going to be doing an episode about it. Uh, as a follow-up to our Lords of Pain episode, I have so many thoughts. Um, I've also been reading so much fan fiction. I've been down a huge fan fiction spiral that I cannot get myself out of, uh, most of which has actually been either uh, Hermione Theo fan fiction or Hermione Sirius. Uh, usually involving time travel for the Hermione series fanfiction, which is outside of my norm, but Raven Kennedy has sent me into a book hangover, uh, which has led to a fanfiction spiral, and I cannot escape it, so thank you, Raven Kennedy. Uh, this coming week, I plan on reading Neon Gods, and I have to start the Kit Davenport series because Ashley will not stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, the past two weeks, I have read Malice by Coraline June, Her Soul to Take by Harley LaRue, Written, it's the first Librarian's Coven book by Catherine Moon, I've read several Ice Planet Barbarian books, Um, I read Grave Robbing and Other Hobbies uh, by Jace Carter, and I am reading the complete Kit Davenport collection, and I am totally obsessed. Like Sam said, our friend Sarah is reading it, um, so we have just been having to text each other about the book instead of being able to text in our group chat, because we don't want to spoil a bunch of things for Sam. Um, but that harem of guys, like, uh, so good. And I am going to take back all the bad things I said about the Madison Kate series, because if you guys aren't aware, I was not a huge fan. I didn't even complete it, but I'm just 
not about it. I tried reading the Hades series, couldn't get into it, but um, Kit Davenport has sucked me in. And I'm not sure if it's like the paranormal element to it, but I think that that might be it. Because um, I'm just naturally drawn to paranormal romance, like reverse harems more than anything else. But yes. Um, so this week I'm going to continue reading Kit, and you guys better be ready because I'm going to read Lords of Wrath and bring some thoughts to that episode, because I'm sure I'm going to have a lot of them. You definitely will. You definitely will. <laughs> Wonder if there will be more asleep masturbation, putting his cum on her lips. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who does that? Ashley, you just need to prepare yourself. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, as we have mentioned, we're very excited for next week's episode. Uh, where we are going to talk about some big blue aliens and their ribbed everything. <laughs> Give me that spur, daddy. Alien Smut Summer has well and truly started, so prepare yourselves for our celebration of Alien Smut Summer next week. And I just want to throw out there that we're going to be using hashtag Alien Smut Summer 2021. So if you're on social media and you have any posts that you want us to see, please use that tag. Such a great idea, Ash. <laughs> All right. Anything else before I jump into the outro? Um, I think that that's pretty much it. I am looking forward to next week's episode, and I missed all of you guys so much. Thank you for your patience. Um, you know, I think that Sam and I are pretty transparent about mental health on this show, and um, I've been going through some transitions in my life. Um, I'm currently working overnights in my job, so that's been a fun time. And I just appreciate you guys being understanding when we need to take some time off here and there. So thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sput and Spice. Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Join us next week as we discuss Alien Smut Summer and the sensation that is sweeping the book community known as Ice Planet Barbarians. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Spice Pod. We'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media. If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye.